On today's episode of the Weekend Wrap-Up, Austin brings on Joey Blackwell and Mason Smith to talk about Alabama basketball's loss to Texas A&M on Saturday and what it means moving forward. Then Mason talks about his ventures on the recruiting trail this weekend. This is the Weekend Wrap-Up, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. Welcome to the Weekend Wrap-Up, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. I am your host, Austin Hannon. It is Monday, March 6th, and I'm here alongside Bama Central Assistant Editor Joey Blackwell and staff writer Mason Smith. Guys, to start it off, how are we doing? You go ahead, Joey. You can go first. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Been a, <laughs> been a long weekend, you know, had a, but a, been a long week in general, you know, a lot of basketball, a lot of baseball. Spring is, you know, spring athletic season is in full swing now, I think, and um, obviously getting ready for a trip to Nashville for the SEC tournament. Got some more baseball, some midweek games this week to cover. So just uh, really busy, but also, you know, it's uh, one of the best times of the year. You know, you have a lot of really good uh, college athletics going on. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, honestly, I'll, to answer the question first, I've been pretty good. Things have been pretty busy, you know, attending my first, you know, recruiting event, which we'll get into later in the show. But one thing I will say about Batman Central, we do take pride in trying to cover things other than the major sports, football and men's basketball. That will is tested in the month of March. And it, <laughs> it, it, by the time by the time March ends, we're, we're going to stand. We're going to stand over the car and like, you know what, guys, we made it. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I can't disagree with that. It's definitely ever since all this stuff fired up. I think everybody, including you guys and myself, have all felt a little bit more busy um, on a day to day basis. But hey, it's fun. Yeah. And it, it's fun to, you know, be able to say that we cover most everything at the school. Um, so we're going to start. I know, I know you just kind of <laughs> going against what Mason just said. And we're going to start with men's basketball. Uh, <laughs> Saturday, <laughs> Saturday, let's start with this. They were underdogs. Okay, they were two and a half. I think at one point, one and a half underdogs to texas a&m they did lose by six um Mm -hmm. i think a a big deal of that had to do with mark sears throwing the ball away down two with the ball um but yeah you you never know if alabama was going to score there so regardless of what mark sears did alabama did lose the game 67 61 it didn't really matter in terms of the sec standings um alabama still obviously got to cut down the nets on wednesday against auburn um, they are the SEC champions still, and they will have that one seed in Nashville when me and Joey go down there, up there, I should say. I always get the down there, up there <laughs> thing messed up. Um, but it, it, it feels like maybe an important loss just because we kind of saw another edition of slow starts. We saw another edition of the poor shooting. Um, and this Texas A&M team might be a team they have to play on Sunday in Nashville. So, you know, first takeaways, I'll start with you, Joey. You know, the slow starts, the bad shooting, um, you know, what, what do you think has got to change for them to kind of fix that? Well, two things. I think you just, I mean, crucial. Well, there's a lot of things that you can fix with this team. I think first and foremost, though, I think they need to get their shooting together. Um, they, the past four games, they've really struggled. Um, they had the Georgia game. That was obviously a really great game, a bounce back win for them um, following the loss at Tennessee. But since then they've been really cold from three and that's a, that's a, a huge cornerstone that this team thrives on. They have proven that they can win, even if the, you know, the, the deep threes aren't falling, but still at the same time, that really is a crucial piece of this offense. Um, I think also the one thing that we've seen in these slow starts has been turnovers. They've been frequently turning the ball over, particularly early. Um, I th- believe Alabama already had two turnovers in the, within the first like 50 seconds of the game against Texas A&M. Yeah, um, they're both on and- those those corner out of bounds plays trying to get the ball to Mark Sears. Exactly. And I think that they really need to work on 
um, ball control and just being able to pace themselves. I mean, I know that they're wanting to get out ahead early, and that's the objective of, you know, under an eight oats offense. But at the same time, you can afford if your defense is playing really solid on the other end of the court, you can you can afford to slow the game down a little bit on offense in order to get your guys into a rhythm. Um, so I, I think that those are two crucial things. Um, they need to hit the ground running and do it effectively instead of, you know, we saw against Auburn this past week, you know, they fall fell behind. I think I think it was either 16 or 17 points was the biggest, you know, margin there. Um, they were trailing by 15. Um, I will say one positive thing um, about this this loss against Texas a and and really these past two weeks in general, this team has shown that they can come back even when they're down. Um, even in the Texas A&M loss, you know, they were down by 15 points and were trailing the entirety of the first half um, and then came back to, I think, that, yeah, that three by Quinterly at the 47 mark of the second half, like, I think one of the biggest issues for Alabama then was, I mean, if you look, if you just look at the scoring sheet here, um, yeah, all other than Taylor's three pointer, all the points scored after that point for AM were free throws. I think Alabama got into foul trouble a little bit early, but they were forced to foul. And when they did that late, that's how AM was able to pull away. So I think that they can stay out of foul trouble early. That's really going to help them out. Obviously, Brandon Miller fouled out as well. Um, that's not good when one of your best offensive players also goes down late. So there's a lot of things that they need to correct, but ultimately um, they have five full days off now in order to be able to prepare for um, either, uh, let's see, they're playing who they, yeah, Florida or Mississippi State. So I think it's it's this, this break comes at a good time for this team. I think it's going to be really good for them to be able to rest and recuperate and head into what should be a very tough SEC tournament. Yeah, honest, honestly, Austin, I don't want to say I told you so, but one thing I was interesting about what I asked Nate Oates, I asked him about, hey, with the shooting kind of being a struggle, what does that mean for Jaden Bradley? And he essentially said, like, yes, you know, Bradley's game is kind of dependent, not dependent, but it's definitely elevated by the perimeter shooting on the, by the rest of the team. And that's true. And in the wins, it looks fantastic. Jaden Bradley's attacking the paint with open lanes. He can find quick shooters. But when the offense is struggling, you know, it kind of makes Jaden Bradley more or less ineffective. And it's kind of shows in the statute. He only played nine minutes, scored three points, and he had a, a minus a minus seven to plus minus category. So I think that's one thing I was kind of paying attention to is I was kind of like overviewing the, the highlights, the tape, and things like that. Is that the offense can get really, really stagnant when they're not shooting well. And it can affect some players more than others, especially Bradley. But, but Joey, to your point, the, the turnovers are a huge issue. And the three-point shooting is a huge issue. Those are two main things you cannot have. You got to be able to protect the ball. and You got to be able to, you know, execute perimeter shots, especially if you're going to put so much emphasis on perimeter shooting. Not only that, but if you're going to take away the mid-range shot as well, that's kind of like a running joke that we have with NATO's offense. Like he kind of bans the mid-range, mid-range shot. But sometimes that may be the shot that's going. If you're not, if your offense is kind of, Condition to not take those, you're kind of setting yourself up, you know, for for more of a failure than you possibly could if you took them. Yeah, eighteen so like, Go ahead, Joey. No, I was gonna say. I was gonna say just one more positive thing. Um, I know a lot of people took a lot of negativity from this game, and they've really the past several games, aside from the wins, I think a lot of people have taken some negatives away. But I think one positive is that this team has shown in these games that even when the shots aren't falling, and even when the offense isn't isn't churning they're still very solid defensive play on the opposite end. Yes. Um, even in the Auburn game, when they were down by 17 points, they were forcing Auburn to make really tough shots. 
and those shots were going in, but they were still, but that's more of a credit to Auburn than it is to Alabama. Um, so I, I think that with, with Alabama right now, it is encouraging to see that even when they're so cold from three, they're still putting an effort on the defensive end of the court and still holding Texas A&M, who has a, a really underrated offense. They have a really solid offense. They were able to hold them to 67 points. So um, obviously the offense didn't work out and it, it was, it was, this loss was a long time coming. It's really been coming for a few weeks now. And I think it's good for the team to get this out of their system before heading into the SC tournament. You'd obviously rather lose here than lose in the SC tournament. And you certainly wouldn't want to have those problems in the tournament and then head you know, into March Madness with, you know, that still residual um, um, feeling. So hopefully they can get this out of their system. And we've seen this Alabama team bounce back from losses really, really strongly. Um, every single time they've lost this year, the next game out has been just an evisceration of whoever they play. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to channel that energy over the course of this tournament this week. Just to, just to support Joe, just to support Joey's point, I'm just I put up the team points per game, just the raw points per game. Texas A&M is fifth with 73.3 points per game, and they were held to 67. I think that's the nail's the number. So yeah. of course, slight, that's slightly under average, but a team that scores, you know, above 70 is a really really potent offense, and to hold them under 70, you know, was a good mark. Yeah, there's been a couple losses this year. Obviously, the Oklahoma one and the Tennessee one. I think both of those were kind of like shocking to me where I was like, okay, maybe there's a problem here. After Saturday's game, I, I didn't really have any kind of like negative feeling about the team moving forward. I, I think some fans are like, oh, like we lost a game in March. Like, are we going to lose our next game? And then the next one, it's just going to be over. I think Alabama's mm -hmm. still a better basketball team than Texas A&M. I, I think it, it, you have to always keep in perspective. They won the SEC title on Wednesday night. Um, so not only did they have the quick turnaround from Wednesday to Saturday rather than Tuesday to Saturday, but they also had just won the SEC title. It's like Oates said on, on Friday that maybe the mindset was still going to be great and they were still going to be fired up like it the, the championship was on the line. I didn't really buy that. I, I think immediately after the Auburn game, I told Blake that they're probably going to lose on Saturday, but I don't think it's going to matter in the long run just because, you know, they, they took the SEC home. I mean, what does this game really mean to the team? And Texas, Texas destroying Kansas too really helps them have have that higher up one seed. Yes. I don't well, I don't think they'll. I think barring an SEC tournament victory like winning the championship, I don't think Bama gets the number one overall seed anymore. But the fact that Kansas was just absolutely dominated by Texas, I think that really does help them. It's really really hard in my mind to justify them falling below one seed. So I think that's really going to help them and. We'll have them in most likely Birmingham if that's the case, which will be, I know a lot of that'll definitely play into their favor, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, the season ends with that. It, it's kind of a sour way to end the season losing like that, but not to play to anybody's thing here, but it, it was kind of Texas A&M Super Bowl. You know, I think they've kind of felt like, <laughs> okay, Alabama will cut the nuts down. We're not going to get to do that, but Hey, let's get our bragging rights and let's beat them on our home floor. And they had a packed crowd and, you know, it was, it was a big game for them and they, they finished their season their conference season undefeated at home, just like they didn't Alabama storm did. The court. Yeah, they didn't storm the court. I think the security was holding them back. Um, but it's a good win for Texas A&M, and it, it kind of proved me wrong. I kind of thought they were a fraudulent team for the majority of the season. But I, I do think Texas A&M is for real. I think they are a good basketball team, and I do think they can make it to Sunday of the SEC tournament. So speaking of that, I mean, it's my most favorite time of the year. You know, you got one and done in the SEC tournament, one and done in the NCAA tournament. Every 40-minute game matters huge now. Every shot matters. Mm -hmm. Every turnover matters even more than it has all season. So let's talk Nashville. We've, I think 
the best thing to come out of this weekend, even though Alabama got still got the one seed, they lost a game, is the side of the bracket they got, I think, is very friendly to their mm-hmm. chances of making that championship game on, on Sunday. You get to avoid Auburn. You get to avoid Arkansas. Those are both teams we saw play the Crimson Tide really well uh, recently. You get to avoid Texas A&M, who beat Alabama, obviously. Um, and you get to avoid Kentucky, a team that's really hot and just went into Fayetteville and, and kind of dominated Kentucky for the majority of that basketball, Arkansas for the majority of that basketball game on Saturday as well. So now mm-hmm. you've got Mississippi State and Florida. Obviously, Florida has no Colin Castleton. You beat Mississippi State twice. I don't think there's much fear there on, on Friday Friday morning there for Alabama. And then mm-hmm. you either got probably Tennessee or Missouri on Saturday, which I don't think is the worst thing ever. Obviously, Tennessee beat Alabama, but now without Zakai Ziegler, um, who was a huge part of that team, can t- is Tennessee the same team that beat Alabama in Knoxville um, a few weeks ago? I don't know. So what are your guys' thoughts on Alabama's side of the bracket and you know their, their chances of reaching that Sunday game? One thing I want to point out about Alabama's side of the bracket is kind of looking at the other side. Potentially, I think Alabama could play either Arkansas, Auburn, Texas A&M, or Kentucky. I think those are the four main teams on that side of the bracket that could kind of cause that can cause um problems. But the thing is, those teams have to really go against each other. Those are both those are all physical games. And I think the one thing that kind of bodes well for Alabama when it comes to tournament play, when you got to fight every single game, you know, grind it out, battle in the paint. It makes it difficult. So by the time they get to Alabama, you know, those teams are probably a little bit worn down. Not saying that, you know, they'll still won't give their best effort, not saying that they won't be at their peak. But when you go through such tough competition and Alabama, not saying it's easy, but a more favorable matchup to get to the semifinals and the championship game. You know, that's going to that's going to go well for Alabama. And I think, like you said, you know, Mississippi State, I'm I'm not worried in the slightest about Mississippi State. Tennessee, Tennessee is probably Tennessee. I'm honestly worried. We're going to keep that one for the draft. <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's let's record that sound. But <laughs> play that one later. <laughs> Look, it's Mississippi, Mississippi State. I mean, shout out to Tolu Smith because, you know, it's it's Tolu Smith. And shout out to Mississippi State, because if if they had not beaten Texas A&M in Starkville, we would probably be looking at a two seed on this bracket. That's true. That, that is that is very true. So, but you can you can call me on that. I don't care. I'm not really worried about Mississippi State. But ultimately, I still think the side of the bracket Alabama is on is favorable, and I think the amount of you know physical play on the other side is going to bode well for the Crimson Tide. Is you know at the championship level. I like that. Yeah, you know, for me, I think um, I you know I saw some people on Twitter yesterday talking about how. You know, I, I, I forget who it was, but they tweeted out their own bracket and uh, for the SEC tournament, and they had filled it out and all that. Obviously, they had Alabama winning because they were an Alabama fan. Um, but somebody commented on it. Wow, that really uh, gives Alabama a Mickey Mouse championship. And then everybody was commenting on it being like, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> so <it> still, <laughs> still counts, right? Because it, it still, still goes on the banner. And, you know, I think that this this bracket is very favorable to Alabama. Like you said, Austin, at the very beginning, most of the, most of the physical, like, gritty teams are in the other bracket. Now, that being said, Bama does have some tough matchups. I think they can they they can beat best Mississippi State or Florida pretty pretty easily, but you do have some really tough teams that have given Alabama problems. Missouri um, obviously is always a tricky team for NATO, regardless of what year it is or where the game's played. Um, Tennessee is another team that I mean it's the one of two SEC teams that Alabama lost to this year, so they are the problems. But like you said, Ziggler's going to be out, so I think that really changes the the impact of that game. Um, but overall, I, I really like Bama's draw. It, um, there were there were some there were there were several points on Saturday where it was like, oh no, things don't go things keep going the way they're going. It's going to be a tough draw. 
Um, but I, the, it really did fall in Alabama's favor. Um, but regardless, winning an SEC title is always difficult. It's three games, three days in a row. If you're a one seed, it's potentially as many as five games, five days yeah. in a row. If you're a, you if know, you're if you're a or, like or Miss, Georgia or <laughs> yeah, but I, it's just, I think this year, I really rarely pick chalk when it comes to brackets, but I think when you're looking at this bracket, it's the, the chalk is much is significant. There's a big gap between the higher seeds and lower seeds. I think this year, like a team like LSU being 14, there's, I highly doubt that they can even best a team like Georgia. There's just such a, there's just such a wide disparity between the good teams of the conference and the bad teams in the conference. that it's going to be really hard to pick any upsets heading into the semifinals. To be honest, I agree. I agree with that completely, Joey, because I was even looking at that in terms of the top four teams, like Alabama, Texas, Texas A&M, for sure. Those are great teams. I'm looking forward to see those, those teams play Kentucky. We've seen Kentucky lose more than their share of games that we've no one felt they should have lost. And, you know, Oscar Sheway, with kids we forgot, has gotten exposed on multiple occasions. And then you kind of just go down the list, you know, Missouri, Tennessee just lost Zakai Ziegler, um, Arkansas, you know, little man complex. We're not going to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Vanderbilt. Honestly, I actually want to root for Vanderbilt. I do. I because I'm a, fan a good you. team. They're a they're a good team. Like people people discount them. They have some really good wins this year. <laughs> like they've been they've been putting together a decent. They're, an, I mean, they're, they're definitely succeed. they're an interesting one to me. I, I think they just beat Kentucky. So if they're able to get over, like Joey said, probably Georgia, that sets up a rematch between those two that just played and Vandy just beat them. This is going to be in Nashville. Obviously, the Big Blue will still outnumber the Vandy fans in Nashville, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're going to be an interesting team in this tournament because what if Vandy beats Kentucky and they play in the semifinals? Like, like, to go from losing by 57 at Coleman Coliseum to where they are now, just an absolutely tremendous job by Stackhouse. So, if, if, if Vandy beats Kentucky for a second time, in my opinion, they deserve to go to the tournament. <laughs> like, because, it's just their, because yeah. They could they could be one of the they could be one of those play in teams that really does you know up in some 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 teams in the first few rounds like they have are they this year's Texas A and M I mean last year you saw Texas A and M I believe was the eight seed uh, beat Auburn the one and then beat Arkansas the four and then lose to Tennessee in the final in Tampa so maybe they're this year's Texas A and M I think they're playing right the problem for Vandy is is that they're also in that similar position that A and M was that it's almost like they still might have to win this tournament to make it just because. Yeah, I believe I'm pulling up their schedule right now. Still in the 80s, uh, they lost a couple non-conference games that they really shouldn't have, and I believe they're still going to be on the outside looking in, regardless of if they make it to the semis or final. But hey, if they win this thing, obviously, I mean, you're in. Yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to pull up their calendar. Yeah, they're 18 Tennessee, and 13. Tennessee's overall. the interesting one. I think that Bama yeah. Tennessee semifinal matchup would be. I, I don't want to overplay the Ziegler thing because Tennessee's still got plenty of able bodies on that team um, that just really, really physically imposed themselves um, on Alabama a few weeks ago. But yeah, Vandy, Vandy, Kentucky in, in the quarterfinals could be interesting on a uh, Friday night. So um, I do think it's be, interesting that yeah. Vanderbilt did live after that, after that, after that loss against Alabama, Vanderbilt won eight of their last nine games. Yeah. They lost on one road game to LSU, but then they, they, which they probably yeah, should beat have. Tennessee, you can't beat LSU. Florida, Auburn, Kentucky. They beat Florida twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've been on, they've been on a tear. No, but anyways, that's enough. Vanderbilt. This, they're playing yeah. great basketball. We're Vandy people. On no this doors. <laughs> We're Vandy <laughs> yeah. basketball fans. Sorry. Sorry to do realize this isn't a Vanderbilt podcast, so I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm very excited. Um, myself, Joey, Blake, and Katie will be up 
up there it is in nashville um this week coming up should be great will i make it to sunday maybe will they win the title maybe it'll be all played on the court at bridgestone arena where me and joey have both been before our nashville predators play there um but it should be an exciting week in nashville mason i want to get to you on this because we're running out of time here but this week you did some exciting stuff mason smith obviously our head of recruiting here at bama central mason let, let's let the listeners know what you were out doing this week and weekend oh that's that's good so i missed the Alabama Texas A&M game because of this event, but I covered a seven on seven event that was ho- that was in Alabaster, Alabama, at Thompson High School. The full event title was the Southern Express Seven on Seven Border War Tournament. Um, a lot of the top guys were did not attend because they were doing visits, junior days at their respective schools. But there were still a lot of talented players there, namely uh, Kevin Riley. I think people that saw my my piece on that. He is a Tuscaloosa County running back. Very proud to be a local kid. Does have a Bama offer. There are also a couple of guys that I, I talked to personally that were, you know, have offers from about half the SEC, including Brandon Hayward <laughs> and Marquise Barry. Had to make sure I say his name correctly. Those two guys are Tennessee guys or Tennessee natives, I should say. And they all have a lot of offers, including Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, and things like that. But both of them also mentioned how they're very interested in Bama. Like, Bama's still very much on the high, high of their list. I think it was really important to kind of get out there and really put a stamp on the on the recruiting front because the biggest thing about recruiting, and I was, I was talking to, you know, another reporter that was there, recruiting is one of the areas of sports that will always be grassroots. Like, I think that's one thing that's really important to remember that these are 18, 17, 16-year-old kids, 15-year-old kids. And while other national sites have a name, what ultimately comes down to is, hey, if this guy is here talking to me in my face, in person, and that means something to them. That's why every kid that I talked to, they were, they were happy to discuss regardless of, you know, how high their ranking was or things like that. Of course, every kid I talked to was pretty high in their ranking. But at the same time, they were very interested in the fact that, hey, you know, this guy is talking to me. You know, he, he may he may write a story on me, things like that. And that that can never change. And, you know, to kind of just be honest, and I'll say this one piece and I say it with a grain of salt because this is what I was told. These kids sometimes they, they don't they don't know who exactly they're talking to when it comes to phone conversations. Because at the end of the day, when you're such a highly touted recruit and you have, you know, if you have Georgia, Alabama and Florida, um, in your top three or three of the schools that are recruiting you pretty hard. You have Alabama reporters, Georgia reporters, Florida reporters. You have you have multiple people from multiple sites all trying to contact you at the same time. And what's the best way to kind of just cut through all of that? Actually be where the kid is. That's why it's like a really big deal that I was happy to go out there because now when it comes to recruits that are in person, things like I, I put names to faces and they put names to faces on my end. Now it helps me develop a relationship with them. I can reach out for the next time when they have you know a final final 10 list when they're ready to commit things like that it's really going to help you know get recruiting where it can be here at Bama Central yeah uh, shout out to you you had a I was I was I was very pleased that you were there and impressed and Mason Smith obviously killing stuff here for recruiting at Bama Central uh so make sure you keep up with all his stuff he also hosts podcasts on Wednesdays so that'll be the next podcast to come out this week uh, we're running out of time here. I just want to say it, Alabama baseball, we, we talk about them every week, 12-0. Uh, and 0. Colby Shelton's a star. He's a freshman. Um, he hit five home runs this weekend against Illinois Chicago at the Joe. He had 11 RBIs. Um, the kid's special. The pitching, bullpen's still great. Uh, a couple good starts. I didn't think McNary was too solid today, but out of six runs, only one was earned. Uh, the schedule's not been impressive, Joey, but they're 12-0. and 0. Bo keeps saying, yeah, I know we're not playing much yet, but 
I think this is going to pay off in the long run. They got two more midweek games coming up this week against uh, Samford on Tuesday night in Birmingham, and then Alabama State, Mason Smith's alma mater, will come into Tuscaloosa on Ooh. Wednesday, and I'm sure he will be there to cover that for everybody. So one last question about baseball. We talked about this with Wyatt last week, Mason. I believe it was you on the podcast. Um, Alabama didn't move up in the polls. They they were 8-0 at that point. They stayed at 20. Now with four more wins uh, on the table here, what do we think? I think that – sorry if you were talking to Mason, but I, I think that be, them Alabama being sta- – <laughs> Alabama staying at 20 makes sense to me just because in years past, whenever Alabama has been ranked in the top you know, 15 or top 20 and they keep moving up, you really can't tell how good this team is or how bad this team is until you hit conference play. And so I think conf- I think voters this year are being a lot more conservative with Alabama. Sure, they look really, really good right now, but they need to look really, really good at Florida and hosting Kentucky and at Arkansas mm-hmm. before you can start to move them up. I don't I think I think this is a very good baseball team, but I don't think they've really been tested yet. And so when a team is hasn't been tested yet, even if they're still winning games, it's really hard to justify moving them up. Do I think they deserve to move up? Yeah, I would move them up to a 14, 15. I'd move them a little higher. But I, I don't I, I understand why voters are hesitant because over these past three or four years, they do typically get moved up pretty high early on, and then we see them just plummet. So <laughs> hopefully, and ho- hopefully that's different this year. Hopefully, you know, the hesitancy uh, is warrant it isn't warranted. Um, and maybe after a couple of weeks of SEC play, we'll see them start moving up. Let me let me put a very quick unpopular opinion, and I've talked to you about this, Austin. Their their offensive strength does kind of worry me. I know I've told you this before, basically because that ten six game against High Point and that nine seven game against UIC, those are games that Alabama trailed early and they trailed big. And I'm happy that the offense has enough firepower to always be in the game. That's a great thing, and every team kind of needs that. But as we kind of see when sports, regardless of the sport, when a team has such offensive firepower, they sometimes can feel like, well, it doesn't matter if we're not the best in other areas. We can just always score our way back in. That's one thing I hope this team does not do. But at the end of the day, the team is 12-0. and And Joe, I'm pretty sure you know this, but I talked to the SID Alex. He said the record to start the season was around 13-0. and I don't know what the official record is, but that's probably something to keep in mind too. Yeah, I think their best ever start was a couple of years ago. Was I think they – uh it was the 2020 year but anyways uh yeah, yeah. i know we have to go so <laughs> yeah. hey joey mason thanks for coming on it's been a great show uh we'll talk to you next monday on the weekend wrap up with mason smith and joey blackwell i'm austin hannon thank you for listening <laughs>